Good evening. Welcome to Nighttime. I'm Dave Wager, your host here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. The last podcast we did focused on Thanksgiving. I want to continue to do that. Such a great theme to be able to be people who are thankful to God for all the wonderful blessings he's given to us throughout the years. To be able to look back on his faithfulness, to see his faithfulness today, and to count on his faithfulness in the future. It's a wonderful position to be in. If you're listening tonight and you don't have God as your Father, if you have never placed your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't have the hope. Hope for the past and its situations and how they fit into the future, the hope for today and how the circumstances of this day will fit together, and certainly no hope for the future, because the future will be nothing but dismay and despair for you. But it doesn't need to be that way. We can be people who rejoice in the fact that God loves us, that while we were still sinners, he sent Jesus down to this earth to die for us so that we could be in his family forever. And right now, as I speak to you from the studios here at Silver Birch Ranch, I know that my heavenly father has gone before me to prepare a place for me. And he will welcome me home one day as one of his children. That takes a lot of the sour circumstances of life and allows me to focus on something that I know to be true. Not that I deserve it, by the way. Not that anyone deserves it, but God's mercy means that I will never get what I deserve. And his grace means he will give me far more than I ever will deserve. And I cannot figure out why anybody in this world would deny God that opportunity in their life. I hope that you had a great Thanksgiving with your family and that you were able to focus on being thankful for every good and perfect gift comes from God. Some of the thoughts and stories and verses I want to share tonight I've already shared in the three-minute devotional thoughts that we do on Thinking Aloud. So you'll have to forgive me if you listen to that podcast as well. It's going to be somewhat of a duplicate Although nighttime takes on a different flair and that we just calmly talk about things and hopefully God will grip your heart. I would encourage those that are listening to pray for those who are part of the nighttime family. There are people literally all over the world that are listening to this calm presentation on a regular basis. Pray with me that God would grip their souls, that he alone would speak to their hearts through his word and that this would just be a tool to somehow draw people to God, to understand his mercy and his grace and his forgiveness, to live in the context of having God as your heavenly father. Well, I was reading a story from a periodical named The Christian that said this, A child knelt at the accustomed time to thank God for the mercies of the day and pray for his care during the coming night. Then... As usual, came the God-blessed mother and... But the prayer was stilled, the little hands unclasped, and a look of sadness and wonder met the mother's eye as the words of helpless sorrow came from the lips of the kneeling child. I cannot pray for Father anymore. 
Since her lips had been able to form the dear name, she had prayed for a blessing upon it. It had followed close after her mother's name. But now he was dead. I waited for some moments and then urged her to go on. Her pleading eyes met mine, and with a voice that faltered, she said, Oh, mother, I cannot leave him out all at once. Let me say thank God that I had a dear father once so that I can go on and keep him in my prayers. And so she still continues to do, and my heart learned a lesson from the loving ingenuity of my child. Remember to thank God for mercy's past as well as to be asking blessings for the future. I was reading a passage, 1 Thessalonians 5, 14 to 18. And the Moody Bible commentary says this about these verses. So before I read them, I want you to hear what the commentary says. These verses probably have more relevance to the Thessalonians' historical situation than often thought. They were facing the prospect of insufferable persecution. Yet Paul commanded, note the imperative mood of these verbs, Paul commanded them to rejoice, pray, and give thanks. Uttered without any connecting particles, these crisp injunctions rang out with arresting terseness, delineating the attitude that must characterize their inner life. And here's the verses, 1 Thessalonians 5, 14-18. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all of them. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seeks to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is one of those verses I love to turn to no matter what's going on in life, because it tells us specifically what God's will is for us. I think through the years, there have been many young people who have come to me and asked how they can know what the will of God is. The very first thing I tell them is to read God's word, and when it says something, do it. That's the will of God. It is God's will that he created us male and female. It is God's will that he made marriage the way it is. One man, one woman committed to each other for life. That's God's will. It's God's will that husbands love their wives like Christ loved the church. It is God's will that we take care of the poor, that we look out for the widows, the orphans of this world. It is God's will that we rejoice and give thanks in circumstances, for this is the will of God for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, that's not hard to understand. Let me read these verses again. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all of them. See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This verse makes it clear that it is the will of God that we rejoice in all circumstances. Now, these would be circumstances that are beyond our control. 
if I want to go beat my head on a rock and get a headache, and then thank God for the fact that I beat my head on a rock to get a headache, I'm, I'm sure that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the circumstances in life that you and I don't control. I need to do what's right in life. I need to make decisions that are showing the world who God is. I need to love my wife like Christ loved the church. I need to be the one that demonstrates the love of Christ to people around me. When I do that, there will be circumstances in life that are less than favorable. As I look forward to the future, I think there are circumstances that will come up that will be less than favorable in my life. My wife and I have already gone through a stint of cancer. I've had heart issues and blood clotting issues, and there have been times where the circumstances certainly have been totally out of my hands or my control. Yet we're told during those times that we need to be thankful. How? Why? Because God loves us and has a plan. When I'm in a situation that just is tough to go through, I'm never in that situation alone because my God is always there with me, always. Those who are without God, they're on their own. But I am never on my own. Even on the day of my death, I will not be on my own. I don't know the circumstances of that day yet. But I promise you this, I will not be on my own. I will be in the very presence of my Savior. And when my time comes, he will make sure that I am never alone. And I'm thankful for that. Even while I'm ministering on this earth in this life, it tells us in Hebrews 12 that there's a cloud of witnesses. They're, they're cheering us on. We are not alone. The circumstances of life can eclipse the love and purpose and plan of God. We need to make sure that we never allow the circumstances that we're in to take away the rejoicing in our hearts for the faithfulness of our Heavenly Father. We're told that in all circumstances, it's the will of God for us to rejoice. Let me read these verses one more time. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See to it that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In the Moody Bible Commentary, it says to give thanks in everything is not to say that we are thankful for everything, but to look past circumstances and know that all things work together for good. Romans 8.28 tells us, and we know, what do we know? And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. There are things in life that we know, and we need to live in the context of what we know, not what we feel. Oftentimes, our feelings, our emotions will alter what we actually live like. What we know should dominate in all situations. Do you ever practice that? Just practicing making sure that your feelings and your emotions don't control you?
I think it's a good practice. I don't think you should pat yourself on the back for doing it, and you can certainly become legalistic with those things, but I do think you should practice saying no to yourself, saying no to your feelings, your emotions. Perhaps you can put something you like to eat, like a candy bar somewhere, and you can look at it every day and pick it up and smell it and tell yourself how much you'd like to eat it and then just put it back on the counter and look at it. And leave it sit there for a month, a year, two years. Let it just sit there. I know after a while it's probably something that wouldn't appeal to you because it'd be rotten or something, but you get the point. I think sometimes we expect ourselves to not allow the feelings and emotions to direct us, but we've never practiced that practically in our life. So I ask you to practice. If you become legalistic, you've done things in a way that doesn't make any sense. God loves you, and it's not because you practice saying no to a candy bar. It's because you are his child, and he loves you regardless of what you do. That's why he sent Jesus while we were still sinners to die for us. Jesus gave similar instruction for those facing similar hardships. He said in Matthew five twelve, pray for those who persecute you. In Matthew five forty four, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Do you ever find it hard to pray for those who hate you and persecute you and want to hurt you? Yet it's awful hard to hate them while you're praying for them. You see, they're doing things because they don't know God. They don't know who he is. Because if they actually knew our Heavenly Father, they wouldn't be persecuting you. They're living a life that is very, very destructive. They don't need to live that way. They can come to Christ, and perhaps you're the tool to bring them. Perhaps as they persecute you like they did Stephen, There'll be a Saul in the crowd that's watching, and Saul eventually became our Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament. We need to be people who understand that those who stand and persecute others just because they're doing something different, they need our prayers, not our hatred. When Jesus looked at the crowd that crucified him, he didn't zap them all with lightning, even though he probably could have. He gave a very simple prayer, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. That is one of the most simple yet profound prayers in the Bible. Simple in that the obvious was stated, profound, in that if they really knew that Jesus was the King of Kings, the creator and sustainer of life, that Jesus is God, they wouldn't be doing this to him. So they must not have known. The answer is not to punish all of them who did it. The answer is to get them the information that they need so that they know that God is God and then they act in accordance with it. It's important that we understand the devastation that takes place with those who don't know God. And the answer is not punishment. The answer is getting to know who God is. And we can be the people who live in a way that demonstrate who he is. This thankfulness is in line with historic attitudes in Acts 5:41. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. 
counting it a pleasure to be able to suffer for the name. Obviously, if you live in the context of the truth, you realize that there are times where everything seems against you. We don't just battle against people, although we do. We battle against Satan and the evil ones and the, the ones we can't see that are trying to destroy everything that's right and good and honorable. They don't fear me that much because I know my responsibility is to stay right by my shepherd. And if I stay right by my shepherd, there's no possible way that the evil one can touch me. It's when I roam away and I try and live without my shepherd that I'm in big trouble. But if I choose, and if you choose to stay right by God, right right by his side like a lamb who is just scared of all the wolves and other things that are out there, if you choose to do that, that picture is just amazing because God will take care of you. And Satan has no power over God, absolutely zero. So if I choose right, he has no power. And those who choose to not walk with God are going to learn that they have no power because the only power that's right in the whole universe comes from God. Otherwise, it's a dark power, an evil power. Paul in Philippians 1, 18 said, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed and I rejoice. People came to him there, remember, and saying there are people preaching just that shouldn't be preaching. You should be out there preaching, but they're kind of taking your place, kind of wanting your recognition or whatever it might be. And Paul thought, you mean they're telling people that God loves them? Their motivation isn't something that Paul gets to judge. That's something that God gets to judge. And he says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And he said, man, I'm rejoicing. He, these people are out there telling people that God is real, that God loves them, that Jesus is re- good. Let them do that. Philippians 4.4 4 tells us that we need to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Always. And the word always is not that hard to understand. In fact, it is possible for you and I to go through times where we are in pain or the circumstances of life are painful and we live in sorrow. Yet rejoice. Because it's the pain of life is, is not the final course that you and I will ever have. One day we'll be in a place where there is no pain, no hunger, no sorrow, no anger, no sin. And you and I will have to adjust to a complete new lifestyle because of the lifestyle we've adjusted to down here on earth will not be the same. In that time period, we'll be able to enjoy the the place that God has gone before us, that he's prepared for us. God loves me. He loves you. And we need to be thankful for the fact that our lives are not accidental blobs of protoplasm here on the earth, but that we get to live purposefully and get to look forward to what the future has to bring us. I think that whenever I complain, it's a signal that I've lost perspective. It's easy to complain, but I think when I do, I need to look at that as a sign that I've lost my perspective. I've lost perspective 
what I need to think about. Because perspective-wise, no matter what the pain is in this life, I realize God can relieve it. And the pain is there either because I am choosing to do something I shouldn't do. I can correct that. If I'm going to beat my head on a rock, I need to quit beating my head on a rock. That doesn't work. If I beat my head on a rock and then complain and talk to God about how rough life is because my head hurts, that's not God's responsibility. He's given me a choice. And if I use my choices in ill-fitted ways, then I need to correct the choices I make. If the pain in life is because of my choices, I need to make better choices. However, there is an awful lot of pain that comes in life that we're not in charge of. I struggle sometimes with arthritic joints. I've struggled with several operations on my hips. I have an artificial hip on one side. I struggle with my shoulders working right. I've struggled with my heart working right. I've struggled with blood clots in my legs and lungs. These are not things that happen to me because I choose to have them happen. I don't know why they happen to me. Sometimes they just say they're genetic, meaning you just have it happen. Those things I get to rejoice in because it's those things that allow me to see that God can take me through anything. The cancer that my wife has gone through was not pleasant to go through, but I was never alone, and I rejoiced in the fact that God was with me and with her the whole journey and continues to be. Never once were we abandoned. You see, there's there's a way to rejoice in the circumstances that really you did nothing to cause. We know this life is full of sinful consequences. And we know that there will be pain, and everybody who's ever lived knows there, there will come a time where they won't be here anymore. We need to focus on the right perspective. There are many reasons to be thankful. I was reading a story by J.L. Nye that said, King George, at the close of the Revolutionary War, in which he had lost 30 colonies, proclaimed a day of thanksgiving because of the return of peace. His chaplain said to him, For what would your majesty give us thanks? For the fact that you have lost thirteen of the brightest jewels of your crown? No, not for that, said the king. Because we added millions to our national debt? No, not for that, said the king. Because tens of thousands of people of the same race and religion have been destroyed? No, not for that, said the king. Why, then, insisted the chaplain, and for what shall we give thanks? Thank God, said the king with great vehemence. Thank God, because matters are no worse. Well, King George had a perspective there, and he had a perspective where he could still thank God for things, because they weren't worse. Certainly in all of our lives, that's possible to look at and see that it could be. I remember once a storm that came through Silver Birch Ranch. It was a derecho, and it destroyed, well, seemingly destroyed what we were doing. For a while, we had nobody here because we had to clean up the mess that the storm devastated us with. 
Yet through all that time and through all the efforts, we have seen God's hand, and today we are a better ministry and a better staff because we all live through that. God has a way of taking the things of life and making us who we should be as we yield to him through those circumstances. I'm not saying I want to go through that again, but it certainly could have been much worse than it was. We could have gone through that same storm as some people did without God. H.W. Beecher shared this story. If one should give me a dish of sand and tell me there were particles of iron in it, I might look for them with my eyes and search for them with my clumsy fingers and be unable to detect them. But let me take a magnet and sweep through it, and how it would draw to itself the almost invisible particles by the mere power of attraction. The unthankful heart, like many fingers in the sand, discovers no mercies, but let the thankful heart sweep through the day, and as the magnet finds iron, so it will find in every hour some heavenly blessings. Only the iron in God's sand is gold. I think so often we have a hard time understanding the positive that's going on because we're totally eclipsed by the circumstances that are difficult to go through. Oh, I understand that sometimes in the simpler things than the hard things in life. The other day we had a kitchen sink clog up. It was hard for me to focus on anything positive while that sink wouldn't drain. We had to take pipes apart. We had to go in the basement and take pipes apart. We had to figure out what we needed so that that water would flow again. I couldn't think about anything positive while I was doing that. I was just kind of irritated. It's so easy for me to talk about being thankful in all circumstances. If I look at it now, I should have been thankful. My son-in-law was up with my daughter, and he knew how to deal with this. We didn't have the right equipment. Well, he figured out what to do without the right equipment. And eventually that water flowed. He stayed up with me, or I stayed up with him, I should say, until that problem was fixed. And as my head hit the pillow that night, I had much to be thankful for. Since that day, I have gone out and got some of the right equipment and cleaned a bunch of other drains. And because of that one instant, now all the sinks in the house have drains that work exceptionally well. I know that sounds like a very simple thing in life, but it illustrates what I'm talking about. Sometimes we don't see the positive in something that just happened. Our nose is too close to the elephant, so it's just gray, dark, and smelly. But in our lives, we begin to take a distant perspective and see that through this circumstance, something good could happen. Since God is in charge and he will never put me in a position that I cannot handle, I can trust the fact that those circumstances that I don't control, but he does, I can rest in him and his faithfulness. I don't have to like the circumstance. I don't have to rejoice in the fact that my toe hurts or whatever, or that my, my sink is plugged up 
but I can rejoice in the fact that God is faithful and he has never put me in a position, never, that I could not go through with him and see him better for it. And I'm thankful for that. Now that I'm getting older, I need to make sure that that's heard by the younger generation. I'm not 100% sure they always want to listen. But I'm not sure that I always want to listen to God when he teaches me things either. I wouldn't compare me to God. I'm just saying that sometimes we as people just don't focus on the things that we should. I am thankful for you as a listener. Uh, We're getting listeners from all over the world for this. I don't know where you're listening from or what time you actually listen to this. But I do hope you know Jesus as your Savior and God as your Father. And you can be thankful that we will have an eternity together with him. For if he's your Father, he's gone to prepare a place for you. We can rejoice that there isn't a circumstance in this world that is wasted, that he will use it to teach us more about who he is and his faithfulness. I'm Dave Wager here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolet Bible Institute here in northern Wisconsin. Good night.